North Carolina absolutely needs to defeat Duke at home if they want any chance of playing in the NCAA tournament. Who else is in danger of earning an NIT bid with a loss this weekend? We'll cover it right here, Locked On College Basketball. Don't go away. You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up? Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Andy Patton, and today's episode of Locked On College Basketball is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. I am thrilled to be joined today by Brian Ralph. Brian is the host of the Heat Check Hangout Podcast. Let's make sure I get that right. A national writer for Heat Check College Basketball. Brian, super excited to have you on the show. Have an opportunity to preview a whole bunch of very fantastic games this weekend. We're getting bubbly today, as we have kind of done to start out the month of March, talking about games and teams that are kind of on the bubble and what mm-hmm. that might look like. And Brian, I want to start talking about what is almost always the biggest game of the day, pretty much every time these two teams meet, that is Duke at North Carolina. It's going to be a big one. And now it has some serious bubble ramifications. We're used to seeing this game take place between two teams with a really small number in front of their name. Beginning the season, it would have been one versus seven, I believe is where Duke was to begin the season. Not as much the case now, but right now the Tar Heels are really in a precarious position in terms of their even chances of making the NCAA tournament. We've seen Hubert Davis do this before where they go on a deep run once they get into the big dance. But I'm curious your thoughts, but to me, this is a must win game if they even want to be in the big dance when it comes around in a couple of weeks. I think they can still lose and win enough games in the ACC tournament to get in. But I do think it's a situation where if they beat Duke, they're in. Yep. UNC is right on that cut line and UNC is going to get the benefit of the doubt because they are UNC, right? Mm-hmm. Slide them in the first four and date and do whatever. The committee won't say that they're doing it for brand name and ratings and stuff, but right. UNC is going to get the benefit of the doubt. I, I think if they beat Duke, they're in. If not, have some work to do in the ACC tournament. Now, things have to break the right way because there aren't many great wins to be had mm-hmm. <laughs> in the ACC. Um, but if they handle their business against Duke and win that game, then I think UNC should feel, feel okay going into Selection Sunday. Right now, North Carolina, just to reiterate this, I know this point has been made on the show before, one and eight in quad one games, one and eight. And quite honestly, Virginia, they're they're slipping a little bit. There's a chance that if Virginia were to drop another game, North Carolina could finish the season without a quad one victory. They're 12 and 0 quad three and quad four, which is, you know, nice, but it doesn't really matter all that much. Six and three quad two right now. For me, I, We've seen this team again. They did it last year. Obviously, they have the horses. They have the talent. They have many players who know what it takes to to make it to the NCAA tournament championship uh, the way that they did last year. But it's going to be a really, really tough road for them, especially if they lose this Duke game. I think you're right. They can probably make some noise in the ACC tournament that nobody's really standing out right now with Miami struggling, with Virginia struggling. I want to flip over to the kind of the Duke part of this conversation as well. Duke's obviously not on the bubble. They have played well enough the last few weeks. Uh, they've, as we've seen a handful of kind of blue blood teams, Gonzaga included in that conversation, start to finally peak at the right time after a slow start to the year. Duke has definitely done that. 
Do you think that this is the kind of game on the road rivalry? Yes, North Carolina is not the number one team in the country like they were in November, but is this the kind of win that could potentially move them up a seed line, get them out of that kind of seven to 10 murky range that we're seeing them show up right now in a lot of brackets? I don't think the win on its own would, because again, you're, you're beating a bubble team or a team that might not make the tournament. But I think the way Duke will play potentially could. Yeah. This is a Duke team that's immensely talented. You, Mm -hmm. You just brought it up. We've talked about it. So many talented freshmen, so many talented transfers they, they've brought in. Mm-hmm. Took them while to go in the year, which should be expected. The amount of freshmen first year under John Shire right. had some injuries, Derek Lively and Drake Whitehead. Mm-hmm. And the injury bug has plagued them, both Whitehead and Lively and, mm-hmm. and pretty much the rest of the team throughout much of the season. Mm-hmm. So we haven't seen them at full strength. They have shown flashes, but then somebody else gets hurt or somebody misses time, and we haven't seen them peak. Mm-hmm. Now, like we're out of time, <laughs> so like this, this is this is who you're going to be. And mm-hmm. I, luckily for Duke, they're, I, they're relatively healthy. I think they're as healthy as they've been all season. They've they've had some time with most of their core pieces playing in the roles they're going to play down the stretch here. Uh, now is the time where they turn it on. I, I think mm-hmm. if you expect Duke to make a run, it starts with this game. Um, you know, last year the flip side. UNC playing the, at Duke, Coach K's mm-hmm. last game, like that was when UNC turned it on and it yep. propelled them to, to the long run. I think if you're Duke, you're hoping that this game has the same kind of um, momentum inducing vibes that come from it. Sticking with the ACC, Brian, I want to talk about another game coming up this weekend that has some bubble ramifications, not as much, uh, and that's Clemson at home over Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Clemson has been a really interesting team this year for a while. They were first place in the ACC. They have dropped since then. It seems like quite honestly, nobody has really wanted to be the first place team in the ACC. As soon as they get there, uh, they end up dropping a game. Clemson's resume is not particularly impressive. And I don't imagine that a win over Notre Dame is going to move the needle all that much, but it is a game of inches when you're talking about the bubble. How much do you think we're assuming Clemson wins. Let's be clear. If Clemson loses to Notre Dame, that probably completely yeah. kills their bubble hopes yes. unless they win the ACC tournament. Do you think a win does much for them, or is it kind of like they got to do something good in the ACC tournament? No, I, they have to do something good in the ACC tournament. Um, I think you consider conferences to be in two different situations right now, mm-hmm. where either you have the opportunity to pick up a good win, mm-hmm. like pretty much any game in the Big 12, right. or it's just avoiding landmines. Yeah. which is typically reserved for mid-majors and one-bit leagues. But, like, mm-hmm. this is a landmine for Clemson. It's a no-win situation. Either you handle your business, you still mm-hmm. have work to do in the ACC tournament, or it blows up in your face and you have right. to then win the ACC tournament. Like, yep. it's a it's a no-win situation. You just have to go in and handle your business. They put themselves in this position with, with the slide mm-hmm. they've been on over the last month. Um, but it's a, it's a must-win because it's a can't-lose. Certainly the the net rankings are not gospel with regards to a team's NCAA tournament hopes, but Clemson is at 64th right now. Definitely not a spot you want to be if you're hoping to get one of those at-large spots in the big dance. Brian, I want to move on, talk about the SEC now before we get into the second segment. A couple big bubbly-ish games in the SEC. The first one is Auburn. Uh, obviously that lost to Alabama. Bruce Pearl was pretty darn unhappy about it. He did not uh, pull a lot of punches there and how he felt. But at the end of the day, the Tigers blew a lead. They should have beat Alabama. They didn't beat Alabama. Now they're in a position yeah. where their their resume continues to dip, continues to slide to the point where where they're, they, they're not safe. They're not secure right now. They got a Tennessee team coming up, a Tennessee team without Zakai Ziegler. He's out with an ACL injury, really devastating loss for Rick Barnes and the Vols. But now this 
feels to me at least like it's maybe a must win game again if auburn loses this game makes a run in the sec tournament things probably change a little bit but feels like auburn kind of if you lose to a tennessee team without zakai ziegler i think that your your resume is going to be really really precarious it is and a loss i think would leave them at the mercy of other bubble teams yeah right because there are Never so many teams around so many teams around the country like let's say unc takes care of business mm-hmm. suddenly that's a spot that auburn has to worry about now because there's one less right you, you start looking around the country and scoreboard watching as opposed to just feeling confident in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, there there will be opportunities for Auburn to get those kind of wins in the SEC tournament, as long as they don't lose sure. in, in their first-round matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a golden opportunity because Tennessee doesn't have Sakai Ziegler. Right. And he is so instrumental to what they do on both ends of the court with his, his quickness and just activity. Mm-hmm. Um, he would have really frustrated and has mm-hmm. has frustrated Auburn's guards in the past. Yeah. Um if you're Auburn, you got to take advantage of it. Like if you are going to be the team we thought or people thought Auburn was a month ago, mm-hmm. you win this game. Worth pointing out Tennessee without Zakai Ziegler. He was injured. I think three minutes or so into the game against Arkansas, they still won. So this is still a pretty darn good team, even without Ziegler. Uh, and they're taking on Kentucky on Saturday. And that to me is an interesting game. It's not a bubble game necessarily. I think both these teams are fairly safe, but Kentucky did just lose to Vanderbilt, a game that we on this podcast kind of glossed over because we didn't think it was going to be an issue. Of course, that came back to bite us. Uh, Kentucky loses to Vanderbilt. If they lose two in a row, you got to start to wonder again, probably not in danger of missing the tournament altogether, but they're going to fall back into that really ugly eight, nine seed situation, which I'm sure John Calipari and co really don't want to be for Arkansas. A loss here gets them eight and 10 in sec play. That's pretty hideous, but we know the story for Arkansas this year has been the massive injuries. The committee takes Mm -hmm. that stuff into account when, when kind of looking at this game from an NCAA tournament perspective, what are the things that kind of stand out to you in terms of how how this game might impact where these teams are seeded in the NCAA tournament? Nick Smith's impact is going to be the biggest thing yeah. for me, both when it comes to uh, us filling out our brackets and how sure. far we want to put Arkansas, but also the committee takes injuries into account when they mm-hmm. are seeding teams and making selections or anything like that. Both of these teams are in. So like there, there's no concern about them being left out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if Arkansas plays well, Nick Smith plays well, they win this game handily, right. carry that momentum in the SEC tournament. I think you could see Arkansas get a better seed than they would otherwise because, you know, oh, they they now look like a really dangerous team with a healthy Nick Smith. Everything's starting to click. Um, If you're Kentucky, I think this is just a matter of stabilizing things and getting back on track because their season's been so up and down this year and and the lineup changes have had a a part in that. You want to have some momentum going into postseason play and losing to Vandy right now is not the worst thing. Mm-hmm. at least from just a uh, play on the court because they're Vandy could be interesting in the yeah. SEC tournament. Um, sure. But there's, that's still a non uh, NCAA tournament team that you lost to. Yeah. It's not a good thing. Um, you want to get back on track. So there's, there's stakes at this for sure, but it is not like a do or die situation mm-hmm. for either. Well, Brian, the Big 12 and the Big 10 are expected to put God, 15 or so different teams uh, into the field of 68, uh, including a few teams that quite honestly are going to have records below 500. That's just that's what's going to happen between these two conferences. We're going to break down the biggest bubble games for those conferences. But before we do that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, FanDuel. 
The midway point of the NBA season is here, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Because new customers get a no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like North Carolina to take care of business at home against Duke. Maybe you like Arkansas with Nick Smith back to beat Kentucky and send them to an 0-2 record last week. Regardless, FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet of up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Brian, Big 12, Big 10 action here coming up. Uh, We're going to talk again, some bubbly games, some upcoming matchups this weekend that we think could have a pretty significant impact on on what the NCAA tournament field is going to look like. First game I want to talk about here is, again, like we kind of teased, a battle between teams that are not particularly close to being 500, uh, but the Big 12 is a absolute gauntlet this year. Mm -hmm. Oklahoma State on the road at Texas Tech kind of feels – like this is a game where whichever team wins is going to be on the right side of the bubble. Whichever team loses is going to fall even further outside of the potential field. Both these teams right around 50th in the net rankings right now. Okay. State seven and 10 in the big 12 tech five and 10 in the big 12. You could make an argument that neither of them deserve it, but again, big 12 is, is really tough. What are your Mm -hmm. thoughts on this game? Kind of uh, as we, as we look ahead. Yeah, I, I think it's a elimination game almost. I think mm-hmm. one of these teams makes the makes the tournament mm-hmm. because, as, as I'll say, as mid as both these teams are, like <laughs> they're they're on the team sheet that the selection committee mm-hmm. looks at is going to be a quality win mm-hmm. that both of them need. Um, might be first four bound, whoever it mm-hmm. is, going to be certainly a double digit seed, mm-hmm. um, but it's an elimination game of sorts. Next game, Big 12, sticking with it again. There's not as many bubble games in the Big 12 because most of these teams are pretty squarely inside the field. It's been mm-hmm. remarkable to see the, the run that these programs have had. And one of the programs that is really elevated has been Kansas State. Kansas mm-hmm. State, they go to Morgantown, West Virginia. And while West Virginia is not one of the better teams in the Big 12, it is not easy to win uh, in that place. And that's where they head now. Uh, again, Kansas State, a, a loss there just maybe, maybe impacts their seed line, but they are well beyond safe uh, in terms of the field. But for West Virginia, this would be a a huge win, a huge win. What do you think about that? It would. It would. Uh, West Virginia is on the bubble, on Mm -hmm. the right side of the bubble. I think they'll be fine no matter what. Um, They have one loss on the year outside of quad one, Mm -hmm. and that's probably going to be the case throughout the rest of the season because how good the Big 12 is and and who they'll play, (laughs) right? But if you you don't want to sweat – Mm-hmm. Like winning this game allows you to go into selection Sunday, not yeah. sweating. Um, I think they'd be fine either way, but how many teams have we left it in the hands of selection committee only to mm-hmm. be disappointed. Right. I, I, I know Bob Huggins doesn't want to write any strongly worded letters to the selection mm-hmm. committee like Buzz Williams did last year. And they thought they right. had done enough. Mm-hmm. So take care of this and you don't have to worry about it. It's West Virginia is so fascinating to me. 12 and one quad two, quad three, quad four combined 12 and one. Yeah. One, like you said, one loss between those other three uh, quadrants. That is really, really impressive. But you look at their overall record, and I think a lot of people are going to kind of 
you know, wrinkle their nose at it a little yeah. bit of like, what, what is this team even doing in consideration? But 24th in net right now, this is a really, really solid squad. If they can take care of business here, I, I think that that's a, a really, really nice one. But like you said, they might be in the field anyway. And I think some some fan bases are probably going to see, oh, we're playing a team that went 7-11 in Big 12. Like, pff, we're going to take care of business. scare you if a team went 7-11 in <laughs> Big 12. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty darn good record uh, in that conference. All right, Brian, we're going to move on to the Big 10 here. I want to talk about uh, the conference that has – historically not performed particularly well in the NCAA tournament, uh, obviously has been kind of led by Purdue for most of the season. Purdue has fallen off as we've gotten into March. Indiana kind of took some dips as we got into March. It's starting to look like, uh-oh, is this going to be another year where the Big Ten isn't able to make a lot of noise? But they're still going to put a lot of teams in yep. the NCAA tournament. One of those teams that's competing for one of those spots is Penn State. They host Maryland this weekend. Uh, kind of the same question I've been asking you about a lot of these games, Brian. Does this feel like a must-win game for Penn State if they want to make it into the field? Yes. If they want to make it in the field and not mm-hmm. win the Big Ten tournament, yeah. then yes, they have to mm-hmm. win this game. Uh, it would not have been if they held on to that 19-point lead they had against Rutgers <laughs> the <laughs> other day. But um, now that that's they don't mm-hmm. have that, they need, they need to find it somewhere. Yeah. And this is, I think, a golden opportunity for them. Uh, I wrote about it last week. Uh, mm-hmm. on Ralph report that's up on heatchecksuv.com mm-hmm. uh, Maryland is awesome at home beat anybody at home they will lose to anybody away from home though <laughs> and this this game is, is at Penn State it's a perfect opportunity for them to get another quad one win we give them five on the season have uh, I think they'd be five and one in their yeah. last six games going to the Big Ten tournament and yeah. you know, Penn State has perhaps the best guard in the country Jalen Pickett mm-hmm. has one of the nation's best three-point shooting teams like there's a lot they don't do well, but there's a lot that Penn State does do well too. Uh, to me, if Penn State takes care of business and finds a way to get in, like they're a potentially dangerous low seed because of the things they do well because they have a guy like Jalen Pickett. So for me, selfishly, I'm hoping they get in because I mm-hmm. want to see Jalen Pickett in this yeah. style in a one game do or die situation, but they have to beat Maryland for that to happen. It's not going to happen unless they win the Big Ten tournament if they lose. Well, you, you you hit on a point I was going to make too, which is if I if I was a team, a fan of a team that's in that five, six, seven range, particularly in that six seed range, I would absolutely be rooting for Penn State to lose because I do yes. not want to face <laughs> Jalen Pickett as an eleven seed. Like that is a really, really dangerous guy that you have to face. They're fifty sixth in that right now, and it's it's funny to me just to look at the comparison. They're nine and ten in the Big Ten. Meanwhile, we look at West Virginia, 7-11 in the Big 12, or excuse me, 6-11 and in the Big 12 right now, and they're 30 spots higher than that. That's just the, the testament to the depth yep. of differences that you have between the Big 12 and the Big 10. Both very solid basketball conferences, but the Big 12 is, is really, really, really challenging this year. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Well, the last game that we wanted to talk about was the upcoming game between Michigan and Indiana. Full disclosure behind the scenes right now we are recording this on thursday evening and the hope was that by the time we got to this game we would know the outcome of the michigan illinois game which is currently as we are speaking right now in double overtime so we do not know (laughs) who is going to win that game but regardless michigan is a team that is on the bubble obviously if Mm -hmm. they pull off this victory by the time you're listening to this you will know the answer unless the game goes into a whole lot of overtime (laughs) i'm not going to rule that out the way it's been going so far you never know um but michigan's got a big game against Indiana, and that's going to have a huge impact on the bubble, regardless of the outcome here against Illinois. Uh, the Hoosiers have been really struggling, and the Wolverines have not. 
they have been playing a lot of really good basketball as of late. Hunter Dickinson has been has been fantastic, uh, having a great game right now against Illinois. Uh, and Indiana won this one the last time these two teams played, but it was very, very close. It was a one-point game. Uh, what are your thoughts on Michigan's kind of overall resume right now without, again, mm-hmm. knowing the result of this game uh, and how important that Indiana game, game is for them? I think it's important for solidifying themselves on the right side. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of in the same situation as UNC where like the, the games that they have left, obviously the end of this Illinois game and then the mm-hmm. Indiana game, like losses are going to kill them. It's not right. one of those sinkers like Clemson lose another game would be. There are no right. landmines here, mm-hmm. um, but you're in a precarious situation where a yep. win could get you out of it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what's on the line here. Now, the Big Ten tournament is going to be wild because you have yeah. so many teams that are in that like 11 and 11 and 7 or yeah. 10 and 8 range. Mm-hmm. Um, so the way Michigan's been playing and the pedigree, what they've shown around this time of year under Juwan Howard, um, I would not rule out the making a long run mm-hmm. in the Big Ten tournament and beating teams that they need to beat to get off the bubble. But if they want to not put themselves in that kind of needy situation, um, beat Indiana and, and you're bigger than a little bit easier. Right. The difference between second place and ninth place in the big 10 is one and a half games. Just for reference for anybody out there, it has been a, a really, really close conference all season long and it's going to make the big 10 tournament. Like you said, real interesting. Well, Brian, one of the hardest parts about predicting bubble teams is the potential for for bid stealers, for teams to steal a bid and potentially make the bubble just a little bit smaller by winning their tournament unexpectedly. We're going to talk about some programs that might be able to pull that off this year. More on that after a word from today's sponsor, Built Bar. If you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. We recently got through the holidays, and I know one of my goals is to eat a little bit healthier this year. If you're like me, where you want to eat healthier, but you don't want to compromise taste, then I've got just the thing for you. You've got to try Built. With Built Bar, healthy is actually tasty. Seriously, they are so delicious, you won't think they're good for you. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate. And they come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. They have only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. Head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section, and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs at your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club today. All right, Brian, moving away from previewing some weekend games, there is a whole bunch of fantastic basketball that's going to be played this weekend, mm-hmm. next weekend, the weekend after that. We got It's March. It's March. We got all sorts of fantastic basketball coming your way. But I want to kind of look at, at some teams that may, some teams, some conferences that may mm-hmm. end up wreaking some havoc on the bubble. It might cause some problems, maybe a a mid-major conference that gets a second team in, maybe a team that's not expected to make a big run that ends up doing so. And I always like kind of looking at the the bid-stealer conversation because there's usually kind of a formula that you need. And, you know, you talk Mm -hmm. about some of these high-major, big Power Five conferences, you usually don't see bid stealers there because a it's really hard to beat the top tier teams in the power five conferences. And also usually they end up beating somebody who ends up getting bumped off the bubble. So it doesn't really end up creating that kind of situation. So uh, I'm going to talk about the first team that I have. And I just said it's not usually power five, but I'm going to talk about a big East team. So not quite power five, (laughs) power six conference team. 
uh, I'm going to talk about the Villanova Wildcats. And mm-hmm. I, I don't know how many times in history, Villanova, certainly not recently history, where they have been labeled as a bid stealer. <laughs> That's not typically the spot that they find themselves in. But this Villanova team under Kyle Neptune with the injury to Justin Moore, with the injury to Cam Whitmore earlier in the year, new coach, missing two starters, they really struggled out of the gate in a significant way and have put themselves in a position where right now they're not on the bubble. They're not a team considered really with any kind of chance of making the NCAA tournament unless they win the Big East. But Mm -hmm. this team has now won six of their last seven games. They won on the road against Xavier. They won uh, Xavier. I've learned to pronounce that correctly. (laughs) Uh, They also won uh, against Creighton. And I think you know, they're healthy now The you know, Neptune's figured it out. I think that they're mm-hmm. in a spot where they could really make some noise. And I think if they were to win the big East tournament and boy, do I want to see Cam Whitmore on a big stage at Madison square garden for the next couple of days when that tournament gets going, that's going to be a lot of fun. I think they're the kind of team that could win the big East tournament and it wouldn't cost anybody else uh, a spot. The, the five teams that are, that are set mm-hmm. to go into the tournament from the big East are, are all still going to make it. I think unless yep. they, unless they lose to like Georgetown, even then, I don't think that that would happen. Yeah. Um, but George Villanova top 40 offense. The defense is a bit questionable, but uh, I could absolutely see a situation where Villanova runs through everybody in Madison square garden and steals a bit in the NCAA tournament. They're talented enough too, And and I think those wins over Xavier and Creighton have shown that they're Mm -hmm. playing at that level right now. Mm -hmm. It's been since Justin Moore has come back earlier in the season when he was still out um, offensively was a struggle because they lack perimeter creators that you right. need particularly in that offense it was cam whitmore and that was it that was you it. needed another guy and Moore has come in and been that guy mm-hmm. uh, and then these last seven games uh since he's like found his, his legs the first three games were a little shaky but but this stretch he's found his legs yeah. uh, villano has been significantly better defensively mm-hmm. having him and his athleticism and strength he's a good he's a very good perimeter defender Right. So having that too has really given them a boost on that end as well they're playing more like the villanova that we're used to seeing it might be too late uh, but they're a team that if you're in the big east you're hoping is on like the other side of the bracket mm-hmm. where maybe you don't see them until a championship game let, let somebody else deal with them yep well brian i got one more team that i want to talk about but i'm curious if you have any teams or conferences where you think there's the possibility of of uh, a stolen bid happening I'll, I'll look at the mid-major ranks because there are a couple of mid-majors that are probably going to be in the tournament with at-large bids if they were to lose in the conference tournament, right. making some traditional one-bid leagues into two-bid leagues. And that is where you see the bubble shrinking. Um, Oral Roberts, you remember them from a couple of years ago. Max mm-hmm. Aismas is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they went 18-0 and 0 in the Summit League. They are the only team in the country that did not lose a conference game this season. They uh, have Ken Palm ranking in the top 60. Their only losses are to Houston, St. Mary's, um, Utah State, who's a top 25 net team, and one other team I'm forgetting right now, but it's a, it's a, um, a top 10, top 15 level team. Uh, they don't have bad losses. They, they've handled their business. They don't have a, don't have a quad one win. Um, but they have done everything else they've needed to do, and they have the metrics to get in. They'll probably get a, a first four bid if that happens, but they have metrics to get in if they were to lose. Um, Florida Atlantic is another one. And mm-hmm. We talk about FAU throughout much of the season. We're ranked. They have, I think, some of the best metrics of any mid-major team out there, including Gonzaga, including mm-hmm. St. Mary's. Yeah, like FAU is on that level. Conference USA is good. Mm-hmm. Like. North Texas finds itself in the bubble conversation. They probably have to win, mm-hmm. but they're they're a bubble team. UAB was a preseason top 25 team, yeah. dealt with injuries. They're healthy again. Like, they're coming too. 
that I think is probably the, the most realistic good ceiling scenario is FAU losing, but mm-hmm. them getting in and let's say UAB winning the, the conference tournament. Um, of course, you can't talk about UAB without talking about Charleston because they right. were pretty much interlocked throughout much of January and early February. Charleston's going to be an interesting one because yeah. we talked about Oral Roberts and FAU having good metrics. Charleston doesn't. <laughs> like uh, Charleston is your typical mid-major who can win, you know, 25, 26 games. If they don't win the conference tournament, it doesn't matter. Yeah. The thing with them is going to be the fact they're ranked for a good portion of the year. The fact that they have wins over some brand names, like you know, Virginia Tech, mm-hmm. um, teams that were supposed to be good that ended up not being good. Right. And if they if, if they were to get to the CAA finals and lose then, that's a 30-win team. They have 28 wins right now. It's 30. Are you going to keep a 30-win team in the like out of the right. NCAA tournament and put them in the NIT? I, I, I could see the committee very much throwing Charleston a bow and putting them in the play-in game. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or giving them, you know, or 11 seed. Right. Those are the three tournaments, the CAA conference USA and the summit league that I'm watching for any potential chaos. Cause that would have major ramifications right, uh, nationally. For the record, that other loss for Oral Roberts, I looked it up real quick uh, at New Mexico at the pit. That's definitely yes. not a bad loss either Yes, <laughs> for, for a really good mid-major team. Uh, last thing that I want to talk about, uh, another mid-major conference, although a mid-major conference that is guaranteed to put two teams into the big dance. There is a possibility, and I'm not going to pretend I think this is particularly likely, but the WCC, for the first time ever since BYU was was added to the conference in, I think, 2011, uh, mm-hmm. and this is the only time it will ever happen because BYU is bouncing out to the Big 12 next year. LMU Lions, only team to ever beat Gonzaga, St. Mary's, and BYU in the same season. It is the only time it has ever happened in West Coast Conference history. Of course, part of that is because Gonzaga almost never loses to anybody outside of BYU (laughs) and St. Mary's, and they drop that game at home. Uh, Again, I think I've said this on this podcast before, but it's it's worth repeating. Uh, That time that LMU beat Gonzaga in January was the first time they had won in Spokane since 1991. So (laughs) it had been a bit since that had happened. Uh, LMU also lost to St. Mary's by 14. The other time they played them and lost to Gonzaga by 42. The other time those two teams played, you can bet Gonzaga had some, they had some feeling. Wanted to make a statement in that game. <laughs> yeah, they sure did. Uh, is LMU going to take, take Gonzaga, take St. Mary's and win the WCC championship? Again, probably not. This is a team that has losses to San Diego, has a loss to Pacific, has two losses to Big West opponents in Irvine and Riverside from earlier in the year. I think they blew an 18-point lead against Riverside in the second or third game of the season, but Stan Johnson's done a very good job. Cam Shelton is one of the best mid-major point guards that nobody's heard of in the country. He is absolutely fantastic. Uh, Just eclipsed Drew Timmy to lead the WCC in scoring 21.2 points per game for him, 21.1 for Drew Timmy. Uh, This is not an NCAA tournament team outside of winning the the tournament, not even close. They're 100th in the net, 101st in Ken Palm. But if they get hot... If Cam Shelton goes absolutely nuclear in Las Vegas next week, there is a chance that LMU could shock the world, beat Gonzaga, beat St. Mary's, uh, and find themselves in the NCAA tournament. Am I betting on it? Heck no. But they beat him twice already this year. They know the formula. Yeah. Not a lot of teams have ever done that. Yeah, they, they've proven they can, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's more than a lot of teams that, yeah. that you're throwing out hoping to pray for. Well, Brian, thank you so much for taking time to come on the show to preview some really exciting games. We're here. We're it's March. We got a fantastic slate of games this weekend. Like I said, next weekend into the next couple of weeks as well. Thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you taking the time. 
Thanks for having me. All right, that is going to do it for us today. Enjoy the slate of games this weekend. Don't miss recaps, more bubble conversation, all coming your way later this week as well. Subscribe on YouTube, leave us a review on iTunes, all of that good stuff. We will see you all very soon. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.